Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, dear listener, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I also welcome you on behalf of Elder David Wise. I pastor at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road, outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, in the Bartahatchee community, and Elder David Wise pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman. And we also invite you to visit Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church, sweet and dear friends of ours, located at 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. They meet every Sunday morning except for the first Sunday, and they would love to have you come and visit with them. We invite you to contact us. Let us know that you're listening. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have needs, contact us. You can go to gospel-of-grace.com and drop us an email. There are good resources, frequently asked questions, and archived messages on that website. That's gospel-of-grace.com. We also invite you to download the Grace Alone radio app. Around the clock, around the world, 24-7 programming from a primitive Baptist perspective. And we would love for you to take part in that. Today we have a message for you uh, regarding the wonderful paradoxes in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Regarding today's message, I'd like to go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and read a very well-known passage of Scripture from the Word of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, listed there are very many wonderful things. Each one could fill uh, reams of sermons. But I want to deal with that very first one, that very first uh, term describing Jesus Christ. And it says, wonderful. How exactly do you qualify wonderful? How do you define it adequately? I mean, wonderful is just a word that you use when no other words will describe how great something is. I mean, it's beyond words. It's beyond terms. And you just say, it's wonderful. Somebody may ask me, well, tell me something about your wife, Laura Nettles. And I would just say, wow, she's just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I don't know how to describe it. Well, that is between my wife and I and our relationship. I find her wonderful. But who is truly wonderful is the one who is named wonderful, and that is Jesus Christ. Such a being is singular. Why we're called the church of Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ, his personhood, who he is, is the key to all of our salvation. So while we do no dishonor to God the Father or God the Spirit in saying the church of Jesus Christ we are giving credence to the one who is called wonderful because when we look at who he is, 
according to the word of God. That's about all you can say. He's wonderful. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look first at the Bible describes the nature of Jesus Christ as having a divine or the God nature. Now, we know that Jesus Christ identified him as before Abraham was, I am. I and the Father are one. Uh, we know that uh, the Father was in him and he and the Father. People will say, well, that doesn't mean that he's God, but yet the word of God tells us that he is. Notice in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us exactly about Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ was never embarrassed to admit about himself, that Jesus Christ is fully Lord. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he made appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice verse three, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Express image is from the Greek word character and of his person is from hypostasis. And hypostasis basically means personhood. We're seeing here a description of God as a person, who his identity is, his very essence, his being. Now, my friends, you may say, well, yes, that's an apt description of God, but yet you're also claiming that he's not only all Lord, he's also all man. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Because we see that also described in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 2, notice this description of Christ. And the apostle Paul, whom I believe to be the inspired writer of Hebrews, did this for a purpose. He wanted people to understand and systematically explaining to these Hebrew believers why where they have come to is a better place. Their belief in Jesus Christ is not unfounded. He is establishing for them that he is truly all God and all man. In other words, he's just wonderful. In Hebrews chapter two, verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. You see, the very personhood, who Jesus Christ is, is a great paradox. What is a paradox? The definition of it is it's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. The personhood of Jesus Christ having both the divine nature and a human nature in one singular individual being of whom there's never been one like him. There never will be another like him. Uh, even God himself has never been like Jesus Christ, even though he is all God. Yet God inhabited likeness of sinful flesh. He wasn't sinful but he came in the likeness of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. So yes, Jesus Christ must needs have been all God 
and all man for him to perfectly pay our sin debt and to satisfy the perfect nature of God uh, and also to impute that perfect, sinless, divine nature to our account. When we consider paradoxes, it is just absolutely wonderful when you consider Jesus Christ. Let's look at some of the great paradoxes of what we call the hypostatic union. Remember earlier from that passage of Scripture in Hebrews, person was from the Greek word hypostasis. It has to do with personhood. Well, hypostatic union means you have within one being, you have two distinct natures, one divine and one of man. And this is descriptive of Jesus Christ. He's the only one where the hypostatic union could be expressed. Now, let's look at these great paradoxes of these two natures, of him being all God and also all man. Notice in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Well, obviously God is not a man. Jesus Christ himself said, God is a spirit. God is not a man. God uh, is not uh, an eternal head and arms uh, and a voice and things of that nature. God is a spirit and he presents himself to us in different ways. He expresses himself to us in different ways, but yet he is not a man as we are men. But notice what it said of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Notice also in 1 Corinthians 15, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Even though God is not a man, yet the God man did also have the nature of man. Oh, wonderful. What a great mystery is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, just because I can't perfectly explain him to you doesn't mean you can't believe it. I can't perfectly explain gravity to you, but yet you've experienced it and you believe it. I certainly cannot perfectly express love to you, but we know it to be real. Just trust in what you know to be true. Okay, let's look uh, in John chapter four at another great paradox between the divine nature and the nature of man in this wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Go to John chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. That's what we quoted earlier. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is not a man. He is not material. He is immaterial. Okay? But... Notice the description of Jesus Christ, who is all God and yet all man. In Luke chapter 24, verse 37, But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? Why do thoughts rise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. This God-man was a man. Hebrews chapter 10, 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. This great, eternal, everlasting God who is a spirit, also in the person of Jesus Christ, was also a man. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, look at Psalm 90, another great paradox. 
Psalm 90 verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So here God has no beginning and God has no end. Okay. But notice in Galatians chapter four, verses four through five. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of, of sons. Notice what, how that began. But when the fullness of time was come, God himself is timeless. He is not bound by time. He's the one who invented time, created time. But yet, my friends, when it spoke of Jesus Christ, it spoke of the fullness of the time of Jesus Christ. Notice Matthew one twenty. but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Notice, please, what the angel said, for that which is conceived in her. That denotes a beginning, right? Well, the beginning of the man, Jesus Christ, was in the virgin's womb. But the Son of God, who is all God, one of the three in the Godhead, always has been. Oh, isn't that wonderful? A great paradox. Another paradox. We'll go to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. He's omnipresent, everywhere present, nowhere absent. He fills heaven and earth. Notice the wording in 1 Kings eight twenty-seven regarding the building of the temple. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. Amen. God is omnipresent. But notice the God-man, Jesus Christ. In Luke one thirty-one, it says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Oh, how wonderful it is to know that the omnipresent God at one time was just a very small microscopic embryo in the womb of a virgin. The Lord who fills heaven and earth yet inhabited a tiny small space inside of the Virgin Mary's womb. That little embryo was all man and all God. Praise God for such a wonderful, singular, amazing Savior. Notice Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. Another paradox, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Our God is immutable. That's what that's saying. I change not. In Hebrews 13, 8, it speaks of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. But notice Psalm 139, verse 16, a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Notice the God who changes not, who is whole, who is complete, who is immutable. He grew and formed and developed in the womb. He said that you did see my substance yet being unperfect. Unperfect doesn't mean imperfect. It just basically means not fully developed. Okay. He was unperfect. He was developing. 
the arms formed, his legs, his body, his organs. Oh, the God who is immutable grew and changed in the womb for us. Notice another paradox expressed in Psalm 147 verses four through five. He telleth, that means counteth, counts. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is the Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Oh, my friends, he is all knowing. He is omniscient. But notice what it said of Jesus Christ, this young lad as he grew. Luke chapter two, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, there came a time when Jesus Christ had to learn how to walk. Though God is infinite in his wisdom, yet the man, Jesus Christ, in his man nature, he had to learn certain things in this life. It's too great for me to fully comprehend, but so is my Lord. He's too great for me to fully comprehend. He's wonderful. Notice another one in James 1.13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Amen. Our God does not make men do evil things. That's God. He cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. He himself will not be moved by evil, and he himself will not move anyone else to wickedness. But notice in Hebrews 4.15 what it says of Jesus Christ, who is all Lord, but yet has a nature wherein he is all man. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Oh, he who cannot be tempted... He was tempted for us. He came to experience that as a man for the people that he loved so very, very much. Notice Isaiah 40, 28, another just inconceivable paradox. What a great Lord that we worship. Isaiah 40, 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, later on he says, there is no searching of his understanding. He's omniscient. We discussed that earlier. He said in Colossians 2, verse 2, he says here, uh, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But notice the cry of Jesus Christ from the cross as he was crucified. Matthew 27, 46, Eli, Eli, lama that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? A God of all wisdom and all knowledge asked why of his father. Oh, I thank God that he was a man like as me yet without sin, but he was also all God. So he could satisfy the wrath of God for my sins. And yet at the same time, his perfect divine nature has been imputed. That perfection, that righteousness has been imputed to a low down, no good sinner, unworthy of such a blessing as I am. Okay. Notice Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? In verse 29, it said, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Yes, this is a God who never gets weary. But notice in John 4, 6, 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Why did Jesus rest? Because as a man, he got tired. As God, the divine nature, he wearies not. But as a man, he became tired. But yet, this did not at all diminish his godhood. We look in Job chapter 42. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Uh, in Revelation 19.6, it is said, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reign. What does it mean to be omnipotent? It means to have all power, all strength. But notice what it said of the God man, this wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, in Luke 22, verse 42 and 43, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there was appeared, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. To think that Jesus Christ, the God man, needed strengthening help from his Father as a man gives me encouragement because I guarantee there are times when I have to cry unto the Lord for help and he strengthens me. Psalm 121, verse three, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. But in Mark 4, chapter 4, verse 38, we see that Jesus Christ was asleep in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow as the storm raged outside. Why did he sleep? Because the man, he required sleep. Notice in Romans chapter 12, verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the will of God is perfect. It is fully mature, successful. It has all the purpose and all the perfection to bring about that purpose. Oh, what a will of God. But notice in Luke 22, Luke 22. And when ye, when he was at that place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, kneeled down and prayed saying, father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God has a perfect, undivided will, but yet Jesus as the God-man had the will of a man. And he humbled his will, humbled himself to the will of his father. Somebody may say, explain that to me perfectly. I, I can't explain the resurrection. You know, I, I, can't, I can't explain the ends of the universe, but my friends, we believe it's out there, amen? All right, notice God is not bound by time. Second Peter 3, 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, a thousand years as is one day. But what did Jesus say in John 7, 6? My time is not yet come. Matthew 26, 18, my time is at hand. See, God is not bound by time, but he gives respect unto time. Oh, brothers and sisters, notice Psalm 115, verse three, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Oh, that's a, that's a self-fulfilled God, amen? 
Isaiah 42, 4 says, He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Here's a God who can't even get discouraged. God does not get discouraged. He does not get, uh, he's not uh, filled with angst over his own inefficiencies because he has none. But notice in John eleven thirty three, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came to her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. John twelve twenty seven, Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. Mark seven thirty four, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephathah, that is, be opened. Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Oh, he had the divine nature of God that cannot fail nor be discouraged until he has set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. But yet, my friends, the divine man sighed over a troubled heart over a weary spirit. This is an amazing God. And I close with this. Revelations 1.8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. In the Old Testament, he's called Jehovah, the eternal self-existent one. God cannot die. God cannot die. He is the eternal self-existent one. Eternal means without end, without beginning. He said, I am that which is, which was, and which is to come. The beginning and the ending. If he's the beginning and the ending, brothers and sisters, then he uh, existed before the beginning, as it were, and he will exist on past the ending. But notice in John 12, 23, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Why does the personhood of Jesus Christ matter? Again, Jesus had to be all God to satisfy, and he had to be all man to be able to suffer sufficiently. The God-man must have harmonized in one being, that holy thing. Wonderful. How wonderful is our Lord. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, such great paradoxes and such a wonderful being whom it is my pleasure to worship. Until we're able to meet with you again, may these truths bless your soul today. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, 
We invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist Radio Broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.